Locked On Podcast Network presents Locked On Sports Today. The Sixers had the chance to squash the scariest low seed in the East. Instead, the Heat reminded everyone why they're so scary. Also, we tell you who the top quarterback in this draft class is, and Chicago Bulls fans have had enough. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. The Philadelphia 76ers fighting for playoff positioning in the East and the Miami Heat fighting for their playoff lives in the Eastern Conference. And Miami on Thursday night absolutely lays it on Philly 129 to 101 in a huge win for Miami as we wind down this NBA season. Wes Goldberg from Locked on Heat joins me now. And and Wes, maybe statement wins at this point in the season. Um, Too late? I don't don't know. What did you take away from a win like this for Miami in a game where the Phillies, like, they're – they're kind of locked into the three seed. Yeah, it was interesting that the se- the 76ers even played Joel Embiid and James Harden in this game, considering that they were locked into the three seed. And you thought, well, what do they have to gain from playing their guys right now? And the answer was, well, if you beat the Miami Heat tonight, you lock the Heat into the seventh seed. Well, what does that do for the Sixers? It keeps it it, it prevents them from meeting the Miami Heat in the first round. We remember that the Miami Heat beat the 76ers in the playoffs last year. The Heat have historically played Joel Embiid and the 76ers really well. Joel Embiid averages the third fewest points against any other team versus the Miami Heat. Uh, and it was the same thing tonight. Uh, they held him almost 10 points fewer than his you know, MVP caliber averages this season. So um, you thought, okay, Sixers, you come out, you kind of shut the door on the Miami Heat, you lock them into that playing tournament, and you avoid having to play them in the first round of the playoffs. And instead, the Sixers came out kind of sleepwalking through this game, not in a whole lot of urgency on Joel Embiid. Not really anything coming from James Harden. Credit to the Miami Heat. They came out, polished uh, scheme. They they used a 2-3 zone that really in, in impacted Joel Embiid, kind of kept him away from the basket, limited what it was that the Philadelphia 76ers shooters could do around Joel Embiid. James Harden was just a non-factor, had no success against that zone. No Tyrese Maxey for Philadelphia tonight, who's usually their zone buster. So it was just the right scheme and, and the right sense of urgency by the Miami Heat. And in beating them, they keep their hopes for the number six seed alive. If they went out and the Brooklyn Nets lose out, this would be the first round matchup. It would be mm. the Heat versus the Sixers as as uh, the six and the three seed. It does seem like in these kinds of situations where a team has an opportunity to knock a team out of their side of the bracket or whatever it is, and they don't do it, usually that leads to some some at least consternation from the, the yeah. team that, that did not uh, pull that off. It also seems like this game serves as a reminder that Eric Spolstra in a a seven-game playoff series is going to put another team in absolute hell because of what he's able to do schematically. You mentioned that zone working, and and maybe with no Tyrese Maxey, the the Sixers were uniquely positioned to struggle that way. But it does seem like this is your sort of proof of concept that the Heat, for whatever issues they've had this season, in a seven-game series, they have Jimmy Butler, they have Bam Adebayo, and they have Eric Spolstra, and that makes them extremely dangerous regardless of matchup. And they've been shooting well, and that's sort of been the Achilles heel of this team all season long. They were the number one seed in three-point shooting percentage last year, and that's how they end up getting the number one seed going all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals and playing a Game 7. And this year, they were one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league (laughs) for a very long time. But over the last 10 games, they've shot 37% from three-point range. It's not elite, but it's a top 10 
mark in that span and would actually rank top 10 over the balance of the season as well. So if that three-point shooting is coming along and now it's above average as, po- as opposed to basically piss poor where it was before, <laughs> and like you said, you've got Spo, you got Jimmy Butler, you got playoff Spo, you got playoff Jimmy, Bam Adebayo has made a leap, Tyler Hero has made a leap. Now you're kind of looking at a team that's dangerous. I, I don't know. They've won three games in a row now, right? And that's after they lost three games in a row. So the definition of the season has basically been inconsistency for Miami. But they've won three games in a row now for the first time in almost two months. I don't know if that's meaningful. Two of those wins came against uh, bad teams, Dallas and Detroit. But this is a really good Philadelphia 76ers team that was sleepwalking through this game. So it, it's tough for me to know how much to take away from those wins, and specifically this one. But you kind of only can judge what, what's in front of you. And right now, the Heat are winning. The offense is scoring a lot of points. The defense is doing just enough like it did against Embiid and the Sixers tonight. And uh, I don't think, if you're looking at the teams that are in the play-in and can kind of be these first-round opponents playing on the road, I think the last one that most teams would want to face in a first-round series is the Miami Heat. Stay up to date all year on the Miami Heat by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Heat on YouTube or wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, who is the best quarterback in this draft class? We'll tell you who that is after we talk about the former Green Bay Packers quarterback who will be with the New York Jets this year. Did we get you on that one? We're in the final stretch of the NBA season, and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team will be winning the NBA championship. The Nets and the Heats are in action tonight. The Nets hosting the Magic and FanDuel has Brooklyn favored by nine. Meanwhile, FanDuel likes the Heat on the road against the Wizards by four and a half. Each team separated by one game in the standings with two left to play. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss your shot at a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. When you join FanDuel today, just go to FanDuel.com slash on to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. The New York Jets added a former Green Bay Packers quarterback on Thursday. But not the one everyone has been expecting. While continuing trade talks for Aaron Rodgers, the Jets signed one of his former backups, Tim Boyle, to a one-year contract. The 28-year-old Boyle finished last season with the Chicago Bears, but he'll be reunited with offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett, who he worked with in Green Bay. They overlapped for the 2019 and 2020 seasons when Hackett was the OC. Bobby Wagner will be back in the middle of the Seattle Seahawks defense and back in his familiar number 54 after wearing number 45 last year in his lone season with the LA Rams. Yeah, I mean, for me, it just was, um, you know, I think uh, for me, I never really wanted to leave in the first place. Um, And uh, obviously business um, happened and I had an opportunity to go play um, in the city I grew up in. And so I thought that was cool. And then I wanted to come back at the city I kind of matured in. So um, for me, I think it, it was cool to, to be able to kind of make that happen. Um, you know, me being able to represent myself. I always thought it was cool um, when you had those agents out there that were able to kind of get the player what he wanted. And so 
I wanted to be home, and this was another home of mine, and I wanted to be back. I don't know what felt weirder, seeing Bobby Wagner in a Rams jersey or the 45 thing. I think it's the number thing. That was, that was bizarre. I, don't, I didn't like it. It's still a mystery when New Orleans Pelicans forward Zion Williamson will return from a right hamstring strain that kept him out of action since January 2nd. On Thursday afternoon, Pelicans Executive Vice President of Basketball Ops David Griffin announced after further evaluation, it has been determined that Zion Williamson will continue his rehab and conditioning regimen. We will continue to monitor his progress and updates will be provided as warranted. So... Nothing new to see here. Williamson was named an all-star starter despite being hurt and was unable to play in the game. He re-injured the hamstring in early February and has been rehabbing ever since. On the ice, the Florida Panthers kept their playoff hopes alive. A game full of chippiness and game misconducts, but the Florida Panthers were extremely opportunistic on Thursday night. What is up, guys? It's Armando Velez from the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast. The Florida Panthers defeat the Ottawa Senators by a final score of 7-2. And this game was as chippy as it got, especially with Brady Kachuk getting in front of Alex Lyon twice and colliding with him and it not being called. This game got out of hand very early for, for, this, for this Florida Panthers and Ottawa Senators team. And multiple people got misconducts. Brady Kachuk, Matthew Kachuk, head coach DJ Smith for the Ottawa Senators, Matthew Kachuk as well, Mark Stahl, just to name a few on the top of my head. And But the Florida Panthers, despite being outshot more than two to one, the Florida Panthers were opportunistic getting three power play goals and a shorthanded goal on the night. And on the diamond, the Toronto Blue Jays are on a bit of a winning streak. Hello friends, Craig Ballard, Locked On Blue Jays. That is now one, two, that is three victories in a row for your Toronto Blue Jays. Shout out to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. who remained hot today. Shout out to Matt Chapman who remained hot today. And shout out to Kevin Gosman who remained hot today. And by the way, how lovely was that? Kevin Gosman pulled in the seventh inning with a couple men on. Give, gives way to the bullpen, right? And Anthony Bass comes in and shuts the door. We know things were different in that playoff game. Same scenario, seventh inning being pulled and against Seattle. Anyway, but yeah, great to see Bass, Bass strand those runners so that Gosman's ERA can remain sparkling at zero. Clean at zero. Blue Jays now head out to Los Angeles for a three-game weekend series against the Angels. Make sure you tune in to Lockdown Blue Jays tomorrow as we'll get you set for all three games. Here is another story you need to know. As usual, the quarterbacks are the talk of the 2023 NFL Draft. Some buzz. We might get the first ever one, two, three, four at the quarterback position in this draft. That would be pretty incredible. Joining me now from Locked On NFL Scouting, our new show with the draft dudes, Joe Marino is with me now. And and Joe, this this quarterback class, it's a little bit of a pick your flavor kind of class. Is there, are there clear delineations for you about where these players are in terms of like tiers? Well, I prefer a certain player. I think CJ Stroud's my number one quarterback for this class. I think that he's a very clean evaluation for me in terms of what I get from a size, athleticism, accuracy, ability to win from the pocket. He showed us later in his career at uh, Ohio State that he has that ability to weaponize his legs. And there's just a lot to like there. I feel like he's just a a clean prospect for what wins in the NFL because I feel like he does give you a dual threat skill set to go with pretty good arm talent and size. And so I just feel like I have the least amount of questions about him. And for as exciting as some of the other prospects are, 
there's just too many questions for me to really feel that good about him like I do C.J. Stroud. And you mentioned some of those questions, Anthony Richardson, it is polish, it is experience. He would have the, the fewest number of games started in a long time to be a first round pick. Bryce Young, we know the size is part of the question there. How do you think fit plays into, because like you're evaluating in a vacuum, right? But yeah. in terms of team, where they are in their development, the, the team around them, how, do, how does that affect where you think these guys would go? It's absolutely huge. I can give you my in a vacuum quarterback rankings right now, but they might look a lot different after I know what teams that they're on. And I go back to a quote from Jordan Palmer, one of the top quarterback coaches out there. Mm -hmm. He says, teams bust players more than players bust teams. And I think the situation is so critical for all of these players to be able to go out and unlock their potential. I can go back to any quarterback class and you're going to see hits and misses in the first round. And usually it's the teams that have surrounded those players with the right infrastructure, whether it's personnel on the offensive line, personnel and the weapons, the quarterbacks that they're with on that depth chart, the quarterback coach, the offensive coordinator, the stability, all of that really matters when we're talking about unlocking a young quarterback's potential in the NFL. And so, yes, I think landing spot is absolutely critical for these guys to meet their potential. If we look at some of the teams that we think either will pick a quarterback or could pick a quarterback, that situational part of it. What is, what is the best situation for one of these young quarterbacks to walk into? You know, what's funny is Carolina very quickly became that team for me with the coaching really? staff that they've been able to assemble. Frank Reich is their head coach. Jim Caldwell's part of that staff. Josh McCown, uh, Deuce Staley. I mean, there's so much offensive uh, coaching there that you really, really love that I think is going to allow for a quarterback to be able to come in and succeed. But the Panthers have an offensive line. That That's something that's finally happened for them, especially with how Iki Aquanu developed as a rookie to go with some veterans that they've placed around him that look really strong. And I think they've done a good job of getting some veterans in free agency. Miles Sanders at running back, Hayden Hurst at tight end, two receivers in DJ Chark and Adam Thielen. And I love that there's veterans in there because I think so many times these quarterbacks go to situations where they're a developing quarterback around developing weapons. And that's very difficult. And so I love that there's established uh, weapons in place to go with that coaching staff. And oh, by the way, there's a good defense in place in Carolina. That was already pretty strong. And so I feel like that takes so much pressure off of that quarterback to have to come in and score tons of points right away. I just feel like they've really put themselves in a strong spot to be able to maximize this quarterback that they bring in. We know they're picking one. They traded up to number one and they did that for a quarterback. Stay in the know on the NFL Draft by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On NFL Scouting on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Coming up, Bulls fans are fed up. Do you ever search for something on the internet that you don't want anyone else to know about? Do you ever think, I hope no one ever finds out that I can't spell Aunt Dekumbo? I know most of you are probably thinking, why don't you just use incognito mode? Let me tell you something. Incognito mode does not hide your activity. It doesn't matter what mode you use or how many times you clear your browsing history. Your internet service provider can still see every single website you've ever visited. Think about that for a second. That's why even when I'm at home, I never go online without using ExpressVPN. It doesn't matter who your internet service provider is. ISPs in the US can legally sell your information to ad companies. ExpressVPN is an app that reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers so your ISP can't see the sites you visit. ExpressVPN also keeps all of your information secure by encrypting 100% of your data with the most powerful encryption available. Most of the time, I don't even realize I have ExpressVPN on. It's on right now on my computer and on my phone. 
It runs seamlessly in the background and is so easy to use. All you have to do is tap a button and you're protected for as long as you need it. ExpressVPN is available on all of your devices, phones, computers, even your smart TV. So there's no excuse for you not to be using it. Protect your online activity today with the VPN rated number one by Business Insider. Visit my exclusive link, expressvpn.com slash locked, and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash locked, expressvpn.com slash locked to learn more. What are the Chicago Bulls? Will they ever take a step toward playoff contention? If you ask Hayes and Pat, the designer from Locked on Bulls, the Bulls are in rough shape. This team, bro, this team, uh, as once said by rest in peace, uh, Danny Green, who had the bright idea to kick to Devin Hester twice in a game. Um, They are who we thought they were. They are who we thought they were. The Chicago Bulls are a heartless, gutless basketball team. Uh, In the moments that mean the most, they don't show up. Guess what? They might win one game in a play-in. They might not win another. They might win two games in a play-in. Doesn't mean you're going to win a game in the playoffs. They might win one game in the playoffs. Don't mean they're going to win two. That's the problem. I know the Bulls can win games. I know the Bulls have talent. I know the Bulls can go out there and, and, and win uh, the, the games that we don't expect them to win. But how about you win the games that you need to win? DeMar DeRozan, mm. are you kidding me? It's not tough. You're not tough. This team ain't tough. This team comes out on a night in and night out basis, and they get us excited a little bit. They build us up, and then we right back where we started. You had two opportunities, two opportunities. One, to actually win a game and get higher in the standings, which probably would have helped your case. And then another opportunity where literally there was no Giannis. There was no Chris Middleton after the first five plays of the game. And it looked like we went up against the 90s Bulls. It's not so much that the Bulls don't know who they want to be. It's that the Bulls aren't who they want to be. They're paying Zach Levine like a superstar. He is not a superstar. And DeMar DeRozan has played like an all-star caliber player, a borderline all-NBA player, but the rest of the team is just not good enough, and it is the kind of team where the team, where the whole, is less than the sum of its parts. Zach Levine, good player. DeMar DeRozan, good player. They have some nice role players on this team. Now, it doesn't help that Lonzo Ball has not been on the floor, but Alex Caruso is a good player. But when you put it all together, it just doesn't work. It doesn't fit. It doesn't lead to winning. They're trying to win, and they're not. And that's the worst place you can be as a franchise. When you've invested money and time and assets and draft capital into trades to make a team that wins, and now you have no flexibility to really make this team any better, you've put yourself in the worst position possible. If they were trying to be bad and were bad, or they were just trying to build something organically and they were like this, like the Oklahoma City Thunder, it would be one thing. But they're trying to be good and they're not. It's not that they don't know who they want to be. It's that they failed to accomplish being the team that they want to be. 
And finally, San Diego Padres star Fernando Tatis Jr. said he knows the hate is coming after a positive test for performance-enhancing substances. He got an early taste on Wednesday night. Tatis caught flack on social media from Cade McClure after he caught a pitch from Cade McClure and jacked it out of the park. McClure responded to a video highlight of Tatis's homer, calling the two-time silver slugger a cheater who was playing in the game because of a steroid suspension. McClure has since deleted his tweet because everyone knows a tweet is the best way to express distaste for real-life events. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up, the NBA playoff picture will be set. We get you ready for all the action. So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.